Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph, and Nick. Like Slim Shady Rush Nation, Murph and I are back in your ears. It's 2019, everybody already knows that. Murph, how you doing? Good, I thought it was like 1999 with the Slim Shady reference. Well, you know, throwback, all that business. (laughs) (laughs) Throwback into a new year, I love it. I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Did you have a nice Christmas? Very, very lovely, very good. Lots of time with family and friends and presents and multiple roast dinners which was good no venison appeared on my plate That's you have good. been chastised a little bit on twitter no, I have. And on, on the christmas special you know i i conceded that i did have the worst of the drafts so i'm not going to sit here and pretend that i didn't but i did so you know it, one of those things you can't win every draft and, and you beat me on that occasion you're welcome as well as beating me in the epson dynasty league so kudos to that and then going on and winning it yeah and the listener league and the Listener League, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, good. So four finals, three championships, which was nice. Lost the NFC South team, but yeah, it was it was the one league I didn't know anyone in it, so I'm not not fast. Yeah, like you like to win. I play to win, but yeah, second was a good result considering I was the only one playing by <laughs> by those rules. <laughs> very and I avoided the uh, the Kaepernick after getting stuffed in there with the stupid stat correction that we talked about. Um, yeah, this is also true. And whipped, no. whipped Jack of. Uh, our Christmas special fame and Paul Brown podcast fame. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So Jack, warm your wig up because you're wearing it next draft. Because you, you got to do two years worth because <clears> we didn't do anything with it this year, and you were the cap last year. And you've retained that belt, so congratulations. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's hard to come last two years in a row, but you've somehow managed to beat the odds and 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 do it. So I mean, congratulations. And here's the three in a row next year. Oh, it's fighting talk already. <laughs> let's let's not angle Paul Brown podcast. Um, go find our podcast. You know we're out there everywhere now at Five Yard Rush on social media. Twitter's been quite exciting over the Christmas period. It's been busy. It's been like a second job. Thanks to everybody who got involved over Christmas. Listens to Christmas Day special. There's been much love for it. So we can only thank you for listening in. And congratulations to Lee for winning the Viking shirt. Well yep. played. I mean, well played. Your name got drawn out of a hat, so it was pure luck. But you were there, had to be in it to win it. So, congratulations again. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everyone who sent you know really nice, wonderful messages. <clears throat> it was really, um, really nice. The amount of people interacted with us, even without using the hashtag, just people just sending us really lovely messages. It was it was really good. And, it, and the people that have been using our advice 
to win leagues and we really appreciate that as well because you know we we just look at what we know and from our experience and give advice and we're we're two people that are big fantasy football fans and we do our homework and we look at, at matchups and it's nice to see that the advice that you find useful is is good and people even sharing the love and sharing with their friends the the one request i have is similar to the one i made a couple of weeks ago if you found the information we've given useful and you're interacting with us please go on to um the podcast uh itunes itunes is the big one but if you go onto any of the podcast apps that you listen to us on we'd really appreciate those reviews uh just to help us reach even more people and be able to do even more cool stuff and more giveaways and we'll definitely do a reviews giveaway at some point soon once we sort of break the back of the new year yeah for sure um so today's show oh announcement next year's podcast is going to be on a monday We've decided that it gives people more chance to listen to the waiver show rather than cram it into your Thursday commute or night shift or early Wednesday morning. We're going to give you extra time. I mean, a little bit of diary shuffling for Murph and I, but you to us, Rush Nation, are important. So Mondays, I suppose, well, whenever we decide, but it doesn't really matter in the off-season. But from next season, it's going to be a Monday pod and probably another day because by then we'll be superstars of the international radio organisation industry or something along those lines. But yeah, so next season it's going to be Monday. Um, Today's show, news, quite a bit of news, and then going to do some playoff seedings. This week's schedule, bit of light-hearted, jovial news, mostly Antonio Brown stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We can clear up some of the misnomers that are out there. Yeah, we're going to do a 2018 fantasy year in review, and then actually... We were going to then do the tight end debate, but Murph and I have already been in the studio for what feels like over a day debating this, so we're going to do that after the news, and if we happen to have times to do the 2018 review, then we'll do that. If not, we'll do it next week. Yeah, and there's plenty more stuff coming. This isn't just a recap and we're done. We've got plenty of exciting guests that are scheduled to come on and wanting to come on, which is is incredible. Um, We have New York Times best-selling authors uh, through to... Um, people that are, you know, podcasters and professionals to people out there that do a lot of really cool things. So we're getting a lot of experts on. We're going to go through the off-season. We're going to eventually get into some draft talk. People have been asking already about draft picks and who my team's going to draft. And we're going to get to that. It takes a little bit of time to just get the draft order sorted and um, get an idea who finally declares for the draft. And still got underclassmen still declaring for the draft now and the playoffs in the college football playoffs aren't quite finished yet and there's stuff like that to sort out so we will get to it there's got to be some study and analysis on our end so we will be doing all that but we're going to be focusing a lot more this month on some recap we're going to do some awards uh podcast favorite kingy is going to come on and do that we're going to cover some injury stuff with a uh, with an expert and forecasting and looking at injuries and how to really determine those and we're going to be doing some more think pieces as well. So we're working on a couple of pieces, looking at cap, salary cap, and maybe even doing some losing that to some predictive data looking at next season. So some of it's going to be quite geeky. Some of it's going to be quite technical. Some of it's also going to be quite fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's going to be fun. But we also are going to do lots of intro stuff to those that haven't played fantasy football before and found it really daunting. We're going to do lots of stuff on that, position rankings and detail reviews and forecasting and stuff. So loads to come we're going to be busy for for many many months I'm sure we're going to be busy for the rest of our lives because (laughs) like we said in the Christmas Day special this train does not stop no it doesn't so Black Monday came and went and it was fairly brutal I'd say Um, no more than usual it just feels like I know it does it feels like a lot because there's a lot of teams went really quickly but actually I'll bring bring it up now so one of the um, I was had someone talk to me and say that actually I think this year has been particularly brutal but I'm going to share with you the new coaches entering the league since 2011 so 2011 was eight new coaches 2012 was seven 2013 was eight 2014 2015 and 2016 was all seven 2017 was six 2018 so this year just gone was seven at the moment we're at eight i'm not sure if that's the end i think there's one or two potentials that could still happen based on if there's trades or but at the moment it's eight so it could be a record high but based on those numbers it's it's not anything that's like an outlier it's very much in line with what happens year on year. I think it was just because my phone alert, I've got so many different apps and stuff now. <laughs> my phone was just buzzing constantly when people were getting fired. So I think it felt like maybe more. But well, some of us were more happy than others. Well, both of us were happy. Let's put <laughs> yeah. it that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You just said seven have gone in. Eight this year. Well, my list only has six, Murph. Well, they're the six that were fired on Black Monday. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, we also lost. So we lost the the Packers and. 
the Browns during the season, Mike McCarthy and Hugh, and, uh, Hugh Jackson went during the season, yeah. but six went. On Monday. Well, Sunday as well. If you consider Dirk Cutter was fired about two hours after the defeat to the Falcons and Todd Bowles went Sunday late evening. Yeah. But, so as Murph just mentioned, Cutter from the Bucks gone. Bowles from the Jets is gone. Vance Joseph, Broncos is gone, which Broncos Nation appears to be pretty happy about. Adam Gase gone from the Dolphins. Marv Lewis from the Bengals. And Steve Wilkes from the Cardinals have all got the block. I wouldn't say any of these were a surprise. Oh, uh, Gaze, actually. Gaze, for me, was the one... I think I thought they were going to give Wilkes more time as well. I mean, he's been poor, but I just I didn't think he was going to get the chop quite so soon. I just think when you, you look at what they have on the other side of the ball, OK, it's a rookie quarterback, and you, and you can look at that and go, that's fine, but they've got an all-star defensive unit. They didn't get whacked by anybody. <laughs> no, it wasn't a team that went in there and put... I think actually maybe the Rams in the last week of the season put 40 up on them. Yeah. But up until then, they weren't conceding 40, 40 <clears throat> points a game, high 30s. There were a lot of... Even the Chiefs, they kept the Chiefs to under 30 points. So you're talking about a pretty decent defence that were on the field so much. Yeah, the time much. of position was, was ridiculous. And they're still giving up less than 30 points. Like They've got some Pro Bowl talent on that side of the ball. And the offence was just so bad. David Johnson, one of the best players in, in, in the NFL looked like a nomad like mm. just no idea what was going on so I don't I'm not surprised they moved on from him because I think if they'd won six games I'm not saying they thought they were a playoff team but I think six games was kind of the minimum well yeah no, that's fair whereas I think Gaze it was seven seven and nine I think considering he lost Tannehill and they got rid of a lot of pieces like Sue and um, they got rid of a few other sort Landry. Of Landry they got rid of quite a few players like to still compete and we're in playoff contention with two weeks to go like you're still it's a little tough, I suppose. I think that was tough, but the rest of them, none of these were surprised. The the ones I was uh, a little surprised kept the jobs, even though I think probably the right decision were like Ron Rivera. I thought the new owner would blow it up yeah. and uh, get rid of him, but he's held on to his job. And we're still waiting on uh, John Harbour, so there's a lot of talk that he's going to keep his job, but there's no contract signed, so a lot of teams are interested in trades for him, and uh, he's one that could be interesting to see if he gets added to the list of coaches that moves on, so... Yeah, I mean, uh, for the list we just read out, I'm not sure if any of those guys get a head coaching gig, do you think? Uh, not of... Uh, well, Vance <clears throat> Joseph to Cincinnati could make sense. Um, I saw something about Hugh Jackson getting the head job there. He uh, got endorsed by Marvin Lewis on the way out the door. So he didn't get it? Because I thought that It's was, not done. I was like, they haven't oh, appointed anyone. Just get rid of every Bengal if that's the case. So I, I, think, I think for me, the two names on that list, I would say, are likely to get jobs. I'm not saying they're definitely nailed on. Uh, as in head coaching jobs. Dirk Cutter, I think, goes back to Atlanta as the OC. I think Todd Bowles goes to be a DC somewhere. So you're looking at... Fast Joseph could go to Cincinnati. I don't think he goes anywhere else. So if he doesn't get the Cincinnati job, I don't think he gets a job. But they're very much looking at internal hires, people that have been part of their makeup before. They're not really looking at too many outside candidates. Adam Gaze, so you've got Peyton Manning, is in the Haslam's, who's the owners of the Browns' ear. I think he could very much get... Um, an interview there I think you get an interview at somewhere like the Jets because of his offensive scheming I think those are the sorts of jobs that are very possible and he is he is a talent like I know perhaps he's not put everything up on tape that has been outstanding but it's his first head coaching job and I, he wasn't embarrassed at any stage like at no point was that team a complete dire, yeah, dire mess so you know but I don't you know Marvin Lewis is done for me as as a head coach I don't think Wilkes is going to get another head coaching job anytime soon. So, But then you've got McCarthy. He'll definitely get a job. I think he's interviewing with the Browns and the Jets. So I think he'd get one of those jobs. And Hugh Jackson could get the Cincy job. Which no, would that just would be, be terrible. Oh, it just, I don't know how like, they do it, but <laughs> it'd just be ridiculous. Yeah, Interestingly, Bruce Arians, former Cardinals head coach, has said he's interested in the Cleveland Browns. He told Ian Rappaport that he would listen. He would listen if Tampa Bay, Jason Lick, gave him a call and said, come work for us. Yeah, and I think Todd Bowles' future could <clears throat> tie to Bruce Arians's. So he worked for Bruce Arians before right. as a DC. So, you know, Bruce Arians saying that he would listen. So Jason Light was his GM uh, at Arizona. Huh. So, uh, not his GM, but he worked with him in the front office, I think, assistant GM. But he was part of that. Um, a bit of a renewal. Office. Yeah. A revival. So they've got a relationship, and that's why um, Arians would take the call. He's also known Jameis Winston since Winston was about nine. So there's parts of that that might be attractive, but his wife doesn't want him to coach again and he is 67 I believe and he has walked away from the game once 
So an interesting point is because he retired, the Arizona Cardinals would need to give him permission in order for him to take another job because he obviously left them while under contract. Is that the same thing as Megatron and Detroit, isn't it? Uh, what? Uh, what's his name? Johnson? The really good one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same thing. Yeah, yeah if he comes you... out of retirement, he has to say to Detroit, can I go play somewhere else? I thought you were talking about like a Transformers. Oh, no, that's, you know. <laughs> no, I know what you mean now. Yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, no, same same sort of thing. So you just have to give it like a, it's like a courtesy. I can't see why Arizona would, would get in his way. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I don't know. I'd love him there. I think he'd be a great fit, but... Uh, there are other candidates that are being considered. So I'm going to whittle through a few of these. Just, this is quite a list, Murph. This is quite a list. So this is the official list from, from uh, NFL.com. So the, I'm going to just go through some of the key ones. I yeah, think. good idea. So <laughs> Eric Enemy, who is the uh, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I think he interviewed with the Jets today, but he's also been requested for interviews by the Cardinals, the Buccaneers, and the Dolphins. You've got Matt Aberflus, who's the defensive coordinator for the Colts, so he's being interviewed for the Browns job. George Edwards, who's a long-standing coach in the NFL, he's uh, the DC for the Vikings. He's being requested for an interview by the Bucks. You've got Brian Flores, who has been in the league again quite a long time. He's the Patriots defensive coordinator, so the Packers, the Browns, the Broncos, and the Dolphins want him. Uh, Adam Gaze, who we talked about, has already got an interview request from the Cardinals, and I don't think he'll be alone. As I mentioned, Vance Joseph, he's been requested by the Bengals. You've got both the interim coach, Greg Williams, and the interim OC, Freddie Kitchens, have been offered interviews for the Browns job. Josh McDaniels, who left the Colts at the altar last year (laughs) when they were getting ready to announce him and he pulled out at the 11th hour and 59th minute. I don't know why anyone would consider him after what he did. Mike McCarthy, who talked about the Jets and the Browns. Chuck Pagano, who was the former Colts coach, he's been requested by the Broncos, I think that... That could work and be a really good fit. Um, Zach Taylor's a really popular, very young coach off that McVeigh coaching tree. So the Cardinals, the Bengals and the Broncos will want to take a look. So there's quite a lot in there in terms of experience. And, you know, some of these guys are definitely going to end up with, with jobs. So keep an eye on it. There's nothing really set in stone yet. And I think it's going to be like a house of cards when the first team sort of hires. I think you'll start to see them go through. I think some teams will make very quick hires. And I think teams like the Buccaneers will really take their time and think about it. Why? Why? Why would the Bucks take longer? Just the way the front office is. is... Well, there's a couple of things. So first of all, this is Jason Light's really first hire, and he's on the hot seat. So he's been retained. Some people think he should have gone. Some, I personally felt he should always stay. I think he's done a good enough job. But he knows he's on the hot seat. He doesn't have a long contract, so he knows this coaching hire is the difference to him, towards him keeping his job and not. So they've retained outside counsel as well. So there's a a consulting firm called Corn Ferry. They've had some a pretty interesting and pretty good track record in um, some appointments. So they've been responsible for some really, really successful hires, but they also were <laughs> responsible for Hugh Jackson to go to the Browns. So, which at the time was everyone was raved about it, about how great that decision was. So there's no guarantees. So I think through all of that, there's going to be a bit more time. Whether it's a, I see the Bengals making a quick appointment, I wouldn't be surprised with the way Elway works that he'd make a quite quick appointment to get the guy he wants off the ball quite quickly. Yeah. Plus, you're looking at people like the Browns and the Packers who have had more time. I'd expect them to make quicker moves. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Interesting. Uh, don't suppose you know off the top of your head where Tom Brady finished this season fantasy wise? Yeah, didn't he finished twelfth? Did he finish twelfth? Oh, yeah. I had him at thirteen. I think standard scoring he was twelfth. Uh, in people, it doesn't matter. It's no. just whether it's four or six point. Yeah. Per so... touchdown. Oh, I was close then. Yeah, you were really. It wasn't <clears> much. <throat> Let me. Um... Just I had a, a just final thought in my head. I thought, oh. Because obviously I got Pat Mahomes wrong. I think I had him at 10 or something. Yeah. No, it was, it was funny you mentioned it. So I, I did look at it this morning and I did see that... So um, I've only got the top 10 list in front of me from a little bit later yes. on. So when I was looking at it, he was he was 12. I'll just double check that. Oh, stat correction, stat correction, stat correction, stat correction. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, oh, by the way, yeah, no, he was comfortably 12. I mean, he was 7 points. So 6.4 points ahead of Dak. And... Comfortably? That's one touchdown and one... Just over, yeah. But given the gap, I mean, he was only less than five points behind the Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yeah, he finished above Newton, uh, Eli. Yeah, whatever. Is there any real shocks in the rest of these? Josh Allen did well. Yeah, well, it's because we blew him up at the beginning of the season. Twenty third. You hated finished. on him, and then all of a sudden, whoa, our still, boy Josh Allen. I still don't think he's a good quarterback. I still think we should have bought that helmet. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so the, we got twelve in the playoff. They're all in. How did we do compared to this list? That's a great question. So, well, you look at our half-season review. We got the top two right in the NFC, but the wrong order. The third, we said the NFC North winner. We punted for the Packers. It was the NFC North winner, but we went 
wrong, wrong. and it was <laughs> the Bears. Four, we said the Eagles, but they finished in sick. So four out of, well, three and a half out. I'm going to give us half point for the MC North winner. So three and a half out of six, we've put Carolina, who were six and two when we made our prediction. <laughs> well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and the Redskins, who then lost Alex Smith and, and they blew up. So it wasn't that great. In the AFC, we did better. So actually, we got the Chiefs in one and the Patriots in two, which is exactly where they are. At three, well, at four, we put the Texans where they finished at three. And we had the Chargers at five when they are at five. So the one we got wrong was we said there would be two from the AFC North, which was the Ravens uh, and the Steelers. The Steelers with a 97% chance of making it after they beat Carolina on Thursday Night Football blew up and didn't make it (laughs) so the Ravens won the division we did say that the Colts were an outside chance to make this and they'd made it in the sixth seed so here's the interesting thing with the stats so they finished sixth do you remember that game where they punted with about 20 seconds to go on the fourth and four yeah Uh, sorry they didn't punt they went for it on fourth and four missed had they punted the ball and it'd been a tie this game would be they they would have won the division and then they would be playing the Texans at home as opposed to away (laughs) Which is quite funny. So we talked about the time we appraised it like, yeah, it's good to go for it. You don't feel like you're going to make it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it it has cost them. Well, that's one of those things, I suppose. <laughs> I still think they beat the Texans. Well, it's an interesting one to go for. Yeah. If you uh, Do we have the details for our NFL.com Super Bowl challenge thing? Um, it's on our Twitter page. Okay, so uh, go find it on Twitter. It's somewhere in there. It's one of the recent tweets. Who, um, who do you have winning it? I've gone for the Saints to win it. So have I've you? changed my mind on what I've seen. So I had I had a Saints Chiefs Super Bowl, and I've just got this sneaky feeling the Patriots are going to get there. It's no, not sneaky. Um, I just, do you know? What I think I think the Chargers knock out the Chargers knock out the Chiefs. Wow! So I think the Chargers knock out the Chiefs, and I think the Patriots knock out the Chargers. That's so how I, I see it falling out. I've got the Chiefs beating the Bears in the Super Bowl. Oof. Bold. Uh, I don't think it's bold. I think at, at this point you could make a case for for ten. 10 of these teams winning it. There's two I just I don't think uh, are going to get there. And for me, they're both in the in the NFC. I think you could make a case for any of the AFC team. Mm, I like that. I like that. Talking of the Ravens as the AFC, I went to the bank today to sort out an account for a little H-Bear and went in on Saturday to book an appointment and I had my Chargers hat on and the guy said, oh, you're a Chargers fan and got really excited about the possibility of uh, American football fan coming into his bank. Yeah. And he said, I'm a Ravens fan, so he's... We got into it, and then I went back in today, and as you all know, I don't. I am a Broncos fan, but I wear merchandise from everybody, and I had my Broncos hoodie on, and he said, you were in a Chargers jersey the other day, what's going on? And I said, well, my friend and I run a podcast, and yada yada, and then he asked me what the podcast was, and searched it on Spotify, and favoured it on Spotify. Lovely, so, so you got a new list of I go to the yeah. bank. So, David from the bank, if you listen, pick yourself up, and welcome to Rush Nation. But if you don't, whatever. <laughs> Can I give another shout out to, and I know we talk about Paul Brown quite a lot, but this is, for fandom, this is impressive. So a few weeks ago, he had bought tickets, because it was the final game of the season, to go to watch the Browns at Baltimore. And then the TV schedule, because it became playoff relevant, meant that the game had changed. So they changed the time and put it further back and put it into prime time. Right. Which meant that he basically paid a fair amount of money and he had to leave at half time. <laughs> Oh my god! Had to leave at half time. So it was a, a one day trip. So he went there early, met Browns fans, and tailgated, and then he basically got to watch the first half, and then had to leave and get on the plane. Oh, <laughs> Paul, I feel mad respect for going. Like yeah. most people would pack it in at that stage, but he went, and uh, yeah, kudos and mad respect here from the from the five five yard rush studio. Well, yeah, that's mad. <laughs> I can't believe it was half time. That's <laughs> Ah, so go moving on to this weekend's football. Colts are at Houston, and that's at nine thirty-five British time. I don't know. These are all British time. It's not BST at the moment, is it? It's not summertime. No, um, it's GMT. GMT. Yeah, daylight saving has messed my head right up there. So nine thirty-five British time, Saturday. Then Sunday morning, one fifteen for us. Seahawks take on Dallas. Sunday evening, the Chargers at Ravens. And that's at five past six. And then your late game on a Sunday or. Where are you listening from? It's late for us Brits. 9.40, the Eagles at Chicago. It's quite, I like all those games. They're all good games. I suppose that's the point of the playoffs, isn't it? You get good games. Yeah, I, I'd say it starts stronger. I mean, of those four games, the one that doesn't grip me all that much is, is Eagles-Bears. I, I think that's a good game. because I, I think, think it's a good game. but I, I Bears don't... are going to tear the Eagles apart on defence. I just... Yeah, but that's that's why I'm not that excited about it. Yeah, but I love D. 
All my shirts are D-shirts. That's fair. I think Colts Houston is a great game. I think uh, Dallas and the Seahawks, I think, will be a good game. And I think the Chargers and the Ravens will be a good game. Um, I'm not so soft on the fourth one. But, hey, if it's great, then even better. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see how Marlon Mack goes against the Houston though, like D-line. Because yeah. they're formidable at the moment. And it, But he's been running well and, and Luck's been playing very well. T.Y. Hilton turns up, doesn't train all week, but turns up and does the biz. And you got to remember, they, they just beat a, a Titans team. Okay, they had Blaine Gabbert and not Mario too, and you'd be interested to see what happened if they switched, but they destroyed that defence. And I think, you know, the, the Titans is a good is a good defence. So I think they're going to be ready. And Houston, it'll be interesting to see how they come out of this, having fallen a couple of times to try and clinch the division before they ended up clinching it on you know, the week before, but trying to go for the two seed. And it cost them the two seed, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they get ready for this and prepare. Because I think a few weeks ago you would have nailed them on probably to get the two seed when the Patriots slipped and to give it back is probably a pain. And I think that's a tough game. I, for me, I think they would have probably fared better against the Chargers mm. than, than the Colts, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Everyone, I imagine you've seen the Antonio Brown trade rumour talk. Yeah. Is it real? Is it not? Daz or Dazza has a message in and said, where will you end up next year? Murph thinks he's a stealer. 100%. I think he's a stealer no matter what. I just think that there isn't anybody in the league that is going to trade for him. Do you know what his cap hit is next year? A lot. It's $22.2 million. A small amount. So <laughs> you're talking about someone who is going to be thirteen, roughly 13% of the cap hmm. next year. That's a, I mean, you're talking about that is... It's a lot. That's the level of elite quarterback pay. And he's an elite player, and I, you know you can't begrudge him the money. But no. to, for people to take that hit, I just think that's too much. I think it, you know, if you listen to Rappaport earlier, has he requested a trade? Has he not requested a trade? People say he's asked, but he's not requested. Rappaport has tried to clear this up by saying that there was a bit of a fallout on the on the practice field last Wednesday, and apparently, just in a huff, he just sort of shouted out, "I'm done. I want to be traded." But apparently, he's not put in an official. Request So everything that's come out of the Steelers organisation, date, and we're waiting to hear, I think um, Tomlin's going to face the media today to talk about it, is it's there's nothing official that's gone through the channels. There's nothing, He's not submitted us an official trade request. He sort of shouted it out loud, but he didn't appear to the team meeting. I just think there's something very broken in the Steelers locker room. The way that they treated Lev Bell when he didn't come back and uh, raided his locker like a pack of wolves and... There's something very broken in there. There seems to be that Big Ben gets treated like a king and everything goes his way and everyone sides with Ben. And I think Tomlin is, is in that case of, do you need to get rid of him to cleanse the, the dressing room a little bit? You you don't know. But I think there's something there and they need to do something to sort it out. Because for me, it's not a harmonious dressing room. And we've seen what's happened with the Jags this year. You know, you're talking about a couple of plays from the Super Bowl. And this year, they've arguably been the worst team in football compared to their expectation level and what you expected, everyone had nailed on for the playoffs. Yeah, and where they finished was not... Where they finished is dismal. So, and it's a lot of it's dressing room. So I think if you don't get it right now, you're not. So Ben says AB's not returned his calls or text messages. So, But to answer Dazza's question, I I think he's a stealer. I just don't think anyone's going to want him. Yeah. As, as great a player he is, he's not going to take a, a restructured deal. He doesn't need to. He's AB. But I can't see anyone taking that cap here. Not in 2019. Yeah, no. Yeah. So there you go, Daz, he's staying as a stealer. And if he doesn't, you know where Murph is. <laughs> the Lions have parted ways with offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter. They weren't good this year. Yeah, I, why not? I, I think Stafford has regressed. and It's interesting to see, has he regressed or is it the system he's playing in? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Because they've fired their, they've fired their offensive coordinator and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean Matt Patricia hasn't come across that well as a head coach this season. Yeah. No, but I think he, you know he rightfully deserves a second season. Uh, I think he did enough. He won big games. Yeah, no, that's you, true. You know, so it's clearly not gone his way. But he's got a free agency period and a full draft now. They've got the right pieces. They lost Carry On. I mean, they fell off a cliff when Carry On Johnson went. So. That's because he's a beast. Yeah, so I think you've got pieces there that you're happy to cling on to. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Mike Mayock has been hired as GM of the Raiders. He's been head of NFL's draft coverage for years. I don't really understand this. Okay, well, he's worked with Gruden. Right. So I think they they worked together in the media for a long time. They clearly know each other. From, I think Gruden's just getting a guy that he knows. Listen, when it comes to drafting, 
Mike Mayock is going to be as good as you get. Why you don't hire him as a draft analyst or give him a special office and make him a draft guy? If that had happened, I'd yeah, all day. I think that makes sense because Gruden can't draft. So I think to get a guy in who knows, who has the connections, who has got an ear to the ground better than most people, I 100% get that. I wonder if it's... But to give him the keys to the GM, sorry, is um, it's mad. Yeah, I wonder if they've given him the keys to the GM in, in quote air quotes, as I called it, just because here's the title. But as general manager, actually, what is he going to do day to day? And that's the question, is how much control has he got? Because Reggie McKenzie at the end didn't have any, so... Um, Gruden's on the 10 year plan so he's not going anywhere Um, I the one thing I like about this is Mike Mayock is is very knowledgeable and as a professional pundit you cannot question his knowledge or his ability in what he knows and being an expert in his field as a person that presents television coverage I'm not a fan so for him to not be part of the draft coverage this year I consider that a small win (laughs) to not be offensive to a guy who is brilliant at what he does but I just don't he tries to be too big for the show and I kind of don't like that he's no Davina McCall off Big Brother is he no exactly that (laughs) if he was more like Davina then I'd be a bit gutted but he's not I think think I may have (coughs) just lost some fans by that Davina reference (laughs) no I disagree I think you've gained fans yes get in Uh, well that was all your news that was quite a lot (laughs) okay this is going to get fiery uh, it could go on for longer than the Christmas Day special, which <laughs> was long. Um, Murph wanted to record an extra three minutes for that just to see it over the two-hour mark. But I was like, no, we're not going to ruin the product. So we didn't. We're talking tight ends. Now, many of you may have listened to our Rich King interview, which has gone down a storm, FYI. So cheers, Kingy. He's if you in, haven't, go back and listen to it. Yeah, definitely. All of them. Go listen to all of our guests. But specifically for this little bit, Kingy's your boy. And him and I... Uh, parking our cars in the same garage as Dave Damashek would say on tight ends now he might be slightly further ahead in his suggestion that taking a tight end in the first round based on the stats I'm not a first round kind of guy Murph and I have well we're going to do it in a second go through players and stuff who you can't take ahead of a tight end I just you can't do it King if you do I'm robbing your pocket in the draft if we manage to do one together but at the end of the second, in a 10-12 man, I'm all about it. Just because. And I know Murph's going to Murph's gonna come at me with all sorts of stats. So I'm getting in I'm getting in the soft, marshmallow, pillow puff punches now while I can. But I, 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 want one, I want one of the big three. I don't think Gronk returns next year. So I think you're looking at Kelsey, Kittle and Ertz. Kelsey's going to go the earliest just because of his back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He needed 74 yards, I think, in the last game of the season to get the overall tight end yardage for the season. I don't think he got he, it. No, he broke it. Did he? Did he get 74 in the last season? Yeah, yeah. He, last... held, he held the title for about 80 minutes. And then Kittle came along and broke it. Did Kittle get more yards this year than... Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the Chiefs on Sunday were saying, yeah, congratulations, Travis Kelsey. All-time record year for uh, yardage. Uh, congratulations, amazing season, and then George Kittle on a touchdown play about 80 minutes later went ahead and, and broke it. Oh, well. So it's probably the shortest time anyone has held a record in the NFL. Well, fair play, Mr. Kittle. Congratulations, <laughs> you're on my dynasty team. <laughs> but yeah, so well, that just even adds more fuel to my fire. And if Kittle's gone and done it as well as Kelsey in one season, I want one of the big three. Now, I know what you're going to say, Murph, the drop-off isn't that great, but I think it is, and I think wide receivers and running backs pop up on the waivers whereas tight ends won't just because of the lack at position even NFL teams only ever have one passing or apart from the Buccaneers you know fire those cannons they've got Bray and OJ Howard but they both don't go off in the same game no I I, I get it so so for me let me let me finish let me finish before you 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 math me out of this quiz um I I I want one of the top tight ends because if you're in a 14 team league there's only 10 that are of any good and three that are magnificent, and I want one of those and grab a wide receiver or a running back to fill my second spot at each position off the waivers. Then I, I, I you know, then I want a tight end. All yours. <laughs> I, I get, I get the argument. Listen, I think, I think the tight end position is far more relevant now than it has been. It used to be that you had Gronk, Reed, and Delaney Walker, and that was a kind of it. Um, and then you got Ertz come along and Kelsey's come along, and then they kind of really jumped it up a bit. And I think now the tight end position is kind of going through this renaissance that it is becoming more important. 
you've got players that are being drafted in the first round now. OJ Howard, David Njoku, for example. Yeah, Kittle is a rookie this year who's just gone on and broken the record. So there is more people of that position that are coming through than ever before. You're going to have Noah Fan in this draft who is going to be a first-round tight end. I'll take that to the bank now. Is he? Because is obviously Mike Gesicki last year was unbelievable in college. Is Noah Fant better than him? 100%. He's a better prospect. He's he's bigger, he's stronger. He's just got a lot more. It's an, that's another player who we haven't seen this year. Gaze didn't use him for whatever reason. When they had no receivers, he still couldn't get a look. So you have got players. I think he was injured. Maybe that was why. No, I think he couldn't pick the play. He didn't pick the playbook up fast enough. Yeah. In order to get in I, drive I, for the season. But I, I know that... he missed time in camp because he was injured, and I know that slowed down that development a fair, fair. bit. And then Hayden Hurst got injured as well. Hayden Hurst got injured. Uh, Hunter Henry. He's going to probably appear in the playoffs um, again. Another player that, that didn't feature this season. OJ Howard, who was the tight end ten, he got injured. He missed nearly half the season. I just think the floor, I think the, the the thing is people are reacting in this recency bias of the top three are a million miles better than everybody else. And based on this season's stats, you you can't disagree. At the end of the day, you're talking about tight end one and the tight end ten. They're differential. And I was having this debate with Kingy. He shared some stats with me. Um, the tight end one performed 125% better. Well, actually 225% better. So over double the points of the tight end, uh, tight end ten. And that's significant in the sense of that's quite a large gap. But when you look at the difference over time, this year is just a massive outlier in data. So you're looking at over time, the difference between Titan 1 and Titan 10 is, you know, 168% in 2015, 143% in 2016, 167% in 2017. It jumps up to 225%. And that's just because the floor has been greatly affected by a strange statistical anomaly of, of injuries so I, I get the position of those players are getting better at the top but I also argue there is more of them and I would feel very comfortable taking an extra running back or wide receiver ahead of a Kelsey and Ertz a Kittle and still picking up an OJ Howard a Hunter Henry a David Njoku I think there is a point you have to take a tight end and I think the floor is around about seven I think I think said six or seven. Six or seven. I think if you if you're not picking up one of the top seven, then I think you're going to struggle. But I think if you get one of the top seven, I don't think the gap between first and the potential of people like Henry Howard and Enjuko is going to be as big as it is this season. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that's why I I really do not buy into this first season or first round of the draft talk and I'd struggle with the second in the third I get it but I think anytime sooner than that I just from my point of view to listeners here people are going to talk about the big gap between the top and the bottom of the tight end position and I just want you to ignore the big gap because I don't it, it's there's a clear reason for it and that clear reason is the injuries and it won't happen actually there won't be 10 12 4 it's like every week we're reading the injury reports out on here oh Burton's gone, and that's another tie-in we haven't talked about. Burton's been injured, or you know, we have people like Matt Lacoste rolling out here. You know, we've missed um, Tyler Eifert. There's so many tight ends. Hunter Henry wasn't there, as we mentioned. There's so many tight ends that got injured through the season. You're like, oh, who's going down this week? It became a running joke. It was literally, if you're a tight end, you're, you're having an ACL or, or a knee-related injury, and, and that was it. We haven't mentioned your boy Chris Herndon. That's no. another one. We're talking about the, the tight end position isn't as bad as, as people are making it. Was, it was bad this year because they were all out. But Chris Herndon missed eight games, nine games. It's the only reason he's not on these lists. But you look at his connection now with Darnold over the last three, four games of the season. You yeah. could make a case he'd be a top ten tight end next year. Oh, he will. And that's my point is that I don't think the floor is as bad as, as, as it's being made out to be. And when you're looking at wide receivers, it's much easier to predict the, the points per game gap. So points per game gap in tight ends was... In 2017, it was 4.83 points per game between the first and the tenth tight end. In in 2017, for wide receivers, it was 7.44. So you're talking about almost three points a game between getting the first and the 29th wide receiver. And in 2018, they had the same, both at 8.44. I don't think that 8.44 number is sustainable at tight end position, whereas I believe it could be at wide receiver. Because in 2015, it was 9.52 points per game. Whereas the tight end position's never seen heights. It's never been above 5.53. Yeah, but like we said with... 
Marcus Grant, the game has changed. Oh, absolutely. And is this the year that the game changes forever, or not forever, but until the next change, you know, with more of a passing? And I think the teams with the high-powered offences that throw the ball a lot and have a good tight end, in fancy that tight end then becomes a stud-wide receiver, especially in PPR. The gap is much bigger in PPR than it is in standard, and that is purely because of the number of receptions you get as a top tight end. Yeah, and, and I agree, and I go back to what I said. The position is more important now than it ever has been. But I also think there is more people coming through. And I think people are discrediting. You've just had George Kittle as a rookie just come through and and beat the all-time yard record as a rookie. He's a rookie tight end. And he did it with Nick Mullins. He's a four, third, fourth-string quarterback. Yeah, but Mullins There's is more real. attention to that position, and that points to your argument that tight ends is a far more relevant position than it 100% is. I'm just not convinced there's only three guys. I, I take all my, my title-winning teams this year and all my teams that made the playoffs, and I didn't have any of those players. Whereas I don't think you can make the playoffs without an elite tight end and an elite wide receiver. Running back, you mean? Running back, elite I mean. Wide, running back and wide receiver. So an elite, I think if you miss an elite wide receiver and an elite running back, you are going to struggle. And I look at all my title-winning teams this year, and they all had at least one elite running back and at least one elite wide receiver. And the ones where I didn't pick up an elite running back, guess what, didn't make the playoffs. So, in, in, more to that point then, do you know where you drafted in all of your leagues? Like, at what position? Yeah, so most of them, I was in the back end. So most of them, I think... So in the listener league where there was, what, 14 of us? Yeah. So I think I drafted ninth. Um, I drafted in the Epsom League, I drafted... Eighth, I believe, seventh or eighth in the in Dynasty. I drafted, okay, I drafted second, but it was Dynasty, so it was a little different. I didn't draft in the OG League; I wasn't there. Um, in the NFC South team, I drew, I drafted first and took Kamara because I restricted myself, which I wouldn't. Have yeah, but then you, I would have taken Gurley, so you would have taken an elite running back. Yeah. So, so of, like, the, of the, but then what's elite? Like who's an elite running back? So give you an example in the Listener League at nine, I picked or yeah. eight or nine. I pick. I got Kamara. For me, he's an elite running back. Yeah. So how far down does that list? How many elite running backs are there? I reckon this year there's more than ever. Coming into 2019, I think there is more than ever. I would say right now, yeah. listing them out now. Gurley's an elite running back. Yep. Barkley's an elite running back. Yep. McCaffrey is an elite running back. Yep. Kamara is an elite running back. Yep. Zeke Elliott is an elite running back. Yeah. David Johnson. He is an elite running back. I think he's an elite running back in a poor system, and if that improves, he's an elite running back. Lev Bell, depending on where he lands, is an elite running back. Melvin Gordon, if he stays fit, is an elite running back. James Conner, in that system... Well, any running back in the Steelers system... Is, is an elite, elite running back, just on fantasy numbers. Yeah. So that's eight. I think you throw Dalvin Cook in there. If he stays fit, I don't know. I, I'm not a Dalvin Cook truther, and I never have been. Um, but I think his skill set, he's got the skill set... To be an elite running back. But I do not think he ever plays 16 games in a season. I hope he does. <laughs> same with Fournette. I can't put Fournette in there but no. for the same reason. So you're looking at that and I'm thinking, I can name eight elite running backs, which we could never could. It was four this year, looking at it, and then you were punting on Barkley and people were still a bit unsure on Kamara because it was his second year. Yeah. But people can put both of those players into that elite bracket, plus Connor has come out, and then where Bell ends up. So you're talking about... And McCaffrey wasn't in that list last year, which he very much is now. Uh, he's top four for me. 100%. Top four, top five player, depending on the format. PPI is much higher for me. But either way, you're talking about there, they are elite players. So you're looking at those elite running backs. Let's say there's eight. Based on, we say Bell lands somewhere like the Colts, and it's a great position. Yep. Eight elite running backs. So then you're looking at wide receivers. Brown, Adams, Hopkins, Julio Jones, do you know, do you know, sorry, Evans, but, Hill. Do you know what I think happens if running back now, there's been such a big hype about elite running backs. I think if, for instance, if you're drafting at 9, 10, 11 or 12 and those eight running backs are gone, I think you take a running back anyway. Just because, what happens if you no, don't? I disagree. I just think... But if you're on the turn, do you take, would you, if say you're drafting 9 out of 10... I would take a running back over a wide receiver, knowing that one of the good wide receivers will come back. Whereas a running back, I don't think they do. See, I think that's if you let's say those eight go one to eight in the draft, which isn't going to happen. But let's say they do. 
You're telling me you can have the field of the wide receivers. Yeah, all day long I'm taking a wide receiver there. Because that wide receiver is going to get you more points than, yeah, the, than I... the ninth running back. Which the ninth running back this year was Joe Mixon. And keep in mind that there's a bit of play in that because Hunt is in the top eight and players. No, no, I hear, I hear that, but I'm quite happy taking any of the wide receivers on the turn, knowing I've got the best available running back. I'm not talking like letting five. Why would you not? Because you know that the next three picks are going to be wide receiver. Why would you not take the best wide receiver on the board and then get the running back on the turn, knowing that the next couple of picks are going to be wide receivers? But I don't know that that's the case. See, yeah. Let's, so let's, for instance, say we're in a twelve team. We're drafting at nine. Those eight are gone. You've still got Mixon, Cook. For no, that's very. That's a very different question. That ten team to twelve team. You're oh, looking I at still four think, picks. I still think at ten, if the guy, if the guys turn around and said, "Well, hang on a minute, all the other running backs gone, and I've got to now wait essentially three rounds to get my second running back." Well, three picks. Yeah. No, no, because if it, on the turn he goes ten, eleven, yeah. he's then got to wait two rounds to get his. I'm not saying you draft two. No, but he might then think, well, this guy's drafted a wide receiver. He's going to need a running back. I'm taking two running backs. And then he just, for instance, goes Cook Mixon. Then where are you at? You've all of a sudden got two stud wide receivers. You've gone zero RB. And everybody knows you need an elite running back. I think I think this is this is where we can get into a debate for hours. And I think we would we will be doing lots of draft theory and prep when we know more about the players coming into the draft and the injury and health. I think you've got players like Fournette, questionable whether they're going to be at their team next year. And I think that's where you kind of got to draw your lists and then look at the analysis from there. I don't know. It's until you're in that I'm, situation. I'm only. I'm not taking yeah. a tight end at the beginning of the second. I'm saying at the end of the second, if I'm near the turn, if I'm in the first four picks, and I've got myself one of the top stud RBs, and Kelsey's there. If it depends, obviously it depends out how it's drafted in front of me. But if everyone's got a decent balance of players. So they've both gone wide receiver, running back, got a stud of each, which I think is going to be the norm, and then fill your spots after that. I, I just think that those first two rounds are sacred, and I think if you do not walk away with that with either two stud running backs or a stud running back and a stud wide receiver, you're in trouble. Yeah, but no, what I'm saying is on the turn, yeah, at, that, at that point, the top four wide receivers will have gone Yeah, because you're back, you're back end of the second. I think you then have to plug that massive hole of stud wide receiver... With a stud tight end, and I and I get your argument, and that's one I can buy into a bit more than taking him in the end of the first round. Oh, I'm not. I'm just that. not saying I can do it. I'm not sure. I would have to look at it in more detail. I'm willing to be convinced on this, by the way. I, I I've said to Kingy, and I'd say that to you that if you put enough data in front of me and can convince me that that is the right play, and we put mock drafts together, I can tell you instances where I can go, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense, and I can see sense in putting. Travis Kelsey is your 22nd, 23rd, 24th ranked player on the board. I get that. For me, I think he's just outside it. Top of the third makes sense. I could get on board with him in the third. I, I, I personally think if you... But don't... I can also, if I miss out on him, so let's say I miss out on Kittle or Kelsey and I'm picking at the top of the third, I'm quite happy with Ertz or Kittle there. I think you have to. I think if you if you come out the third round without a tight end, you're in trouble. I don't think you're in trouble. I think you... If you're drafting at the beginning of the third round, I'm talking. If you're oh, drafting right. at the beginning of the third round, if you don't take a stud tight end who's available there, and you get to the back of the fourth, the trouble I think is there'll be a massive, massive waterfall effect of people see the stud tight ends going thinking, oh my gosh, tight ends are terrible, I need to take one. Yeah. And you could see most of the third round be tight end. And then at that point, I think that's where you've got to look at it. I think for me, people are going to be down on Hunter Henry, people are going to be down on David Njuku. I think there's enough value to pick him a bit later on and hoping that the gap is not as big as this year's <laughs> position is. No, but, but that's I, I, it. I, I, and I think that's what you've got to look at. For me, I, I'm just saying from my experience this year, in the position that the tight end position is arguably the worst this year in terms of the biggest drop-off, in none of my teams did I have an elite tight end and I still won three of the five leagues I drafted. I mean, I'm going to counterpoint myself here. So Josh, I think he won nine of his championships. Yeah. Which is pretty, almost half of his, considering we dropped over 20 on. I don't know if he had an elite tight end, you know. Right. And that, I think that's that's the he point. He did have crazy luck weeks 15 and 16. Yeah. But that's part of the game. My my argument, and the waiver wire plays a big part of this. I just think for me, that's my point. I can't imagine in any of those nine teams, he didn't have at least one stud wide receiver and one stud running back. Whereas I think you can live without it. 
if you can get through, I won a league where my where my tight end was at the end. Who do I have in the end? I had Ian Thomas in the last few weeks, mm. and he did he did enough. No, no, I, th- I feel you. I mean, I think if you miss out on the top tight ends, then you need to become completely streamable on your tight end. I don't think you need to. I just think you need to get one of the top six or seven. I just think you. Yeah, can... no, but what I'm saying is, if you don't. Yeah. You then stream every week, you stream who's available, and it becomes a complete chuck-away game where you just think, this week, Rudolph's got a good matchup. next week, Ian Thomas, week after, Matt Lacrosse. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I, I guess you've got to look at it, and we're, we're going to have many more debates like this, so I oh, just, for me, I'm not all in on... I would love to say I was right, but you won most of your leagues, and I only won one, <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I just, I'm not sold oh, on but it. but the one I did win, I had Kittle and Ertz. I was, well, that's the point, actually, my dynasty team had Ertz, um, not Ertz, I had Kittle. So actually, that's slightly false. I won the league with with him, but I didn't play him the first few weeks of the season. Actually, when I was losing, I played OJ Howard, and he was widely available on the waivers at the beginning of the season. Kitchen. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, let us know on on Twitter and Instagram, guys, what you think about the tight end debate. Yeah, I will post the stats I've got here just f- for people to reference it. Tell you what, Murph, do a poll. We can do a poll. I think we should do a tight end poll. What do you think is a good? Over, under, where? what should we say for the yes or no on the tight ends? Like, Where do you think a tight end should be drafted? First two rounds or under? Or first three rounds and under? I, do you know what? I think we've got to go position. Or number. So I'd say, I would say the 20th pick. In a 10-team or 12-team? Let's go 10-team. A 10-team league, you're the, you're the 20th pick. So you're the back end of the second round. Right, okay. Um, do you take a pick? Do you take... Well, even, even in a 12-team league, it doesn't change radically. Because you'd expect the first 20 players off the board to be roughly the same. So effectively you're arguing, do you spend a top 20 pick on Travis Kelsey or not? Yep. And I will share some of the data I've got, make an informed decision, uh, be interesting to get some feedback and uh, tweet us, uh, DM us, get in touch on Facebook, whatever. Just, yeah, be interesting for the debate. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think, uh, I don't know how it's going to go actually. I, I'm interested to know. I'm interested. To know. Are you doing it right now? No, no, no. Oh, I'm going to do it on the way home. I thought you were setting it up as we were podding. No. Um, so, have a guess how far we've gone. Where do you reckon we are timestamp-wise? Probably close to an hour. Yeah, we are. 54 minutes. Yeah. So, I think you should do some streets, my friend. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover off the um, we'll cover off the fancy year review. Do you not want to do the quick uh, top tens as it stands right now? Okay, go on then. I think that's quite fun. We so can do the review next. We'll, we'll do uh, we'll do the numbers each as we go. So if we have any differences, we'll point them out at the time. Nice. Okay. So, so we've got the same number one as it's not a surprise in in Tog Early. Yep. So Tog Early is both of our number ones. So at number two, I have gone Saquon Barkley, and you have gone Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott, which I have at three. Yeah. So there's and not, you have Barkley at three. Yeah. I don't think there's much. I just think the year Zeke's had. I think Dallas, the second half, have been better. And I think they'll probably take that into next year and Zeke could be slightly better. But then Barkley's had a rookie season to smash all records. I think what swung it for me were two things. One, he's more involved in the passing game. Mm. And two, that O-line is trash. It's only going to get better. No, the better bad. the O-line, I think he just gets a bit more production. So I, But I, I'd be comfortable with either of those players on, on our team. Um, again, we... I, I know this. Uh, this is a typo. I've got them the wrong way round. Four and five are the same. Oh, okay. I was about to say that we've got the same players in a different order. But no, we haven't. You always beat. So we both agree that then that Christian McCaffrey is at four. Yep. And you could make an argument that he goes above Zeke in a PPR league potentially. Oh, like yeah, I could make that argument. Yeah, no, I'd even put Barkley. Do you know? <laughs> I think Barkley could be above Zeke PPR. I just. I really like Zeke, and I, I don't know why. I just do. So no, I like Zeke. I got I got nothing against him. Listen, he's my he's my three. Um, I definitely think in a PPR league, I would probably drop Zeke to fourth. Um, I'd put uh, CMC above him. But anyway, we got we got CMC at four, and we've got Alvin Kamara at five. I think that top five is you know pretty consensus top five. In fact, um, our sixth pick is also the same in Nuke Nuke Hopkins. So he's both of our number six. Yeah, which. Again, might cause some controversy. We've just talked about wide receiver, uh, running backs going eight or nine deep. Um, but I think he... Do you know what's really interesting about Nuke Hopkins this year? Mm-hmm. The 115-odd receptions that he had. or I, I don't know. It's somewhere around that number he had. Right? Okay. He didn't drop one pass this year. Wow. Not one... Yeah. That's a ludicrous amount. That's not, what I mean. Not he, didn't, to drop. he did not have one 
one drop past Okay, so somebody go out and check his gloves for all sorts of stupid yeah. blue. So yeah. that, for me, is why he... Even though... What was his catch percentage you know off the top of your head? Well, his catch percentage in terms of what? Uh, targets? Uh, yeah. It's, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I could, I could probably look it up. Because there was a point where Michael Thomas was at 100%, wasn't there? For the first few weeks, Michael Thomas caught everything yeah. that was thrown his way. Which is ludicrous, isn't it? But to not drop a pass... Oh, Murph, by the way, now you're in the OG League... Yeah. So last year for our Dynasty League, for the league, for the podcast, sorry, we did a combine to determine draft order. Yeah. And this year for the OG League, we're doing it again because oh, it's better than a, and it's better than random draft order. So you're saying I should just take the the eighth pick now? No, 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 no. Because it's not. It's you don't <laughs> take where you come. You take where's left. So if you win it, you choose where you pick. Oh, and then second gets to pick, third gets to pick, but. I don't, I don't know why you don't have faith in yourself. You can throw a football, can't you? No. Believe it or not, I can't. Well, not even at all. Not a tiny little bit. No, no. I'll, I'll listen, I'll be going to work on it, because I, I play the win. Um, I bet you've got a mean bench in you, though. I haven't done that for ages. Shoulder injuries, so... Well, it's only 40 kilos, though. We're not pushing 110 like the NFL do. I'm just looking now at uh, percentages, so... Intrigue me. Come on. Michael Thomas was top. Right. In catch percentage. So he was 85. Ryan Switzer. Ryan Switzer only had 44 targets. So he was second. Where was Nuke? He's a long way down the list, folks. Yeah, but there's some random... Yeah, no, but what, just what was his percentage? Uh, 70%. So he had 163 targets with 115 receptions. That's not terrible. Well, he, but the thing is, you've got to remember is that takes into that doesn't take into consideration how many were overthrown, underthrown, etc. Yeah. Um, how good the coverage was. Like, how many of those were viable? He didn't have any that hit his hands that he dropped. I think that's the key point. Anyway, we, we've got off topic here. Um, As always. Number seven, we are completely... Different, so he's not. He, yours doesn't even make my top ten. No, I know. So you have gone with Devontae Adams, who I have at eight, and totally respect that. But you don't have AB on your list. No, and I'm I'm baffled as to how AB doesn't make your top ten. So I, I'm going to need you to explain this because I, I I don't get it. So I I don't know really because I thought I'd like to be slightly different than have the same ten just in a different order. And the only way I could do that was to drop the person I thought was most droppable to 11. In theory, I should probably have AB in the top 10. But I just... I don't... He wasn't that good this year. He was, in standard leagues, he was the wide receiver two on the year. Okay. And he's only behind Tyreek Hill, who returned a few kickoffs. Okay, so, so I take that back. I don't know why he's not in my top 10, Murph. <laughs> I can't tell you why. He, he had more fantasy points than in standard scoring than Devontae Adams... I, I, I New cr- Hopkins, Julio Jones, Mike Evans. I wanted to interject here and say that out of my 25 leagues, I had one standard, and that was only the Epsom League because they refused to go to PPR. Just saying. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we've got... I've got AB at seven. You don't have him on your list at all. Um, That's right. Come at me. I don't care. I have... Devontae Adams at eight. You, and I have James Conner at nine. You have Connor at nine. I have Gordon at ten. You have Gordon at nine. Again, you can make cases... On, so it's all relatively similar except for that AV pick. Only your number 10 is... Dalvin Cook. Which makes no sense. And he's at number 10 for me because I took him at 10 in Dynasty. And he was... Th- oh, okay, hands up. I did this lift, list in a lift in Asda this afternoon while I was picking up my shopping. And he was the first person that came to my thoughts in the lift. I thought, oh, Dalvin Cook. I'll stick in there because running back's king. If In all honesty, I should probably have Antonio Brown after Adams. And then Connor and Gordon would be the same as yours. I, I, even if you went running back, like, fine, but Dalvin Cook? I like Dalvin Cook. Okay. It's a person, like, drafting is a personal thing, Murph. I, I get and that. And it's probably why you won more leagues percentage-wise than I did. I'm just looking at the stats here. So, in his rookie season, he played four games. Who's this? Dalvin Cook. Yeah, yeah. And last season, he played 11 games, which is more than I thought he played, to be perfectly honest. Um, last season, as in the one we're still currently in. Yeah, well, he's been eliminated, so his season is finished. So, you're talking about, in his four games in his rookie season, he rushed for 354 yards. In his 11 games, he rushed for 615 yards. So, he's played 15 games in the NFL. He's not reached 1,000 yards. So, he would have maybe just broken 1,000 yards if he plays the 16th game. So, he's an injury concern, and he doesn't... All right, all right. I'm just saying. Stop hating on me. By the way, how many touchdowns has he had in both seasons? It's the same amount. Four. Four combined. Two in each season. See, I told you, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, so he's got four career touchdowns. 
Oh, but stop it. Put me out of my misery. So, 10. So, you're, if you're in a league and you're going to draft Alvin Cook at 10, I cannot wait to pick after you. So, right. yeah, I, if I had the 9 pick, you had the 10, knowing you were taking Dalvin Cook, I'd be having a field day. Yeah, but I've still got another pick. Anyway, look, just do some streets. <laughs> Get on with it. Uh, some quick ones on streets. Tyreek Hill had 16 career. He has 16 career touchdowns of 50-plus yards, the most in the NFL since 2016. He has nine more such TDs than the next closest player, which is Tyler Lockett of seven over that span. Patrick Mahomes had the most ever fantasy points for a quarterback. He surpassed Peyton Manning's 2013 total. I think he beat it by about, uh, I think it was about 20 points in the end. And if you want to know what the difference was, it's the rushing ability. Mahomes ended up with 271 rushing yards. Positive rushing yards. Positive rushing yards, while Manning had negative 31. <laughs> yeah, just, just in case you missed that over Murph giggling, it's minus 31 Minus 31 yards. rushing yards in a season. I mean, that must all be kneels, or most of it must be kneels. 31 kneels in a season is a lot. Well, if you think about it, if you're in a series and you have to kneel two or three and you win 10 games at 30. Uh, that would be an interesting stat. If somebody, if one of you statisticians out there can tell me how many kneels Manning had in his minus 31-yard season. I'll have a look. I'll pull it up. Okay. Remind me later. Now, this one's really fascinating for you uh, defensive buffs. That Bobby Wagner only missed one of his 138 tackles attempted this season. That's more impressive than Hopkins catching all his balls. I think so, because I think it's so much harder to tackle than it is to catch a ball. So it gave him a 0.7% missed tackle percentage. So What, for his career? No, for that season. But he didn't miss... Oh, he only missed one. He okay. missed one of 138, so 0.7%. So he has led the league for two consecutive seasons in missed tackles. So the following, the, the 2017 season, his missed his missed tackle percentage was 2.3 percent. So you're you're basically saying he has missed four tackles in two years. That is an insane amount. He's the first player to have led this category for consecutive years since 2006. Uh, these figures come from PFF. I missed more tackles in our flag football game after the combine last year than he has in his last two NFL seasons. Listen, I don't tackle for a living. I'm sure I miss more tackles just in real life. <laughs> That's just nuts. So Bobby Wagner, hero. What an effort. That's a stat. Yeah. That was a good one to finish on. I thought so. That's why I put it last. Uh, Clap him in. Clap him in, Rush Thanks Nation. So we'll be here all week. We, it will be here all week. We've run over the hour. That's got to be it. We can't keep going. I is... You thought it would be short as well. <laughs> I did, and then you put the notes up and I realised we had too much. Yeah, so we've, we've left the segment. We'll go back to this. We're going to do awards. If you want to give any, any suggestions for awards, uh, get in touch. That would be awesome. Yeah, so I think what we'll do is we will come up with an awards list and then put it out to a vote and let Rush Nation decide. And we'll have a couple of categories that we pick and there'll be some that you guys decide and vote on. And then if we don't like it, we'll just change it, but whatever. I'm going to put a minimum number in there. So, like, minimum of, like... 40 votes or something. I wouldn't say that high. 20. All right, 20 votes. But something like that, yeah. We'll come up with something. But, yeah, if you've got any awards you think is a good idea, then hit us up on Twitter. It's at 5 Yard Rush. My man Murph over there will be receiving that tweet and getting back to you in stat time, no doubt. Yep. There's only one pod this week. It's been Christmas. I'm sure you appreciate it, but... Thanks for hashtagging Sunday ho ho ho. Shout out again to Lee for winning. Thanks for organising the pod today, Murph. Appreciate it. Well, it's joint effort. Well, yeah, you do most of the admin and I do most of the rubbish talking. So between us, we're a dream team. But until next week, Rush Nation, it's been an absolute pleasure. Welcome to 2019. Keep rushing. can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.